Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. I'm thrilled and honored and humbled to be with you. Um, And man, I just... Can I just speak to the to the volunteers for a second? Because I don't know how much time it takes you to figure out how to go, oh, wait, it's not in 333 anymore. It's in 338. I don't know how much time it took you in the morning to figure that out. But the amount of work that the people behind the scenes have had to put in in order to make these chairs and the room temperature and the technology and the music and all that other stuff, it's unbelievable. So I just... I want to thank you guys for doing that. All right. Okay. So um, I'm a pastor from down the block, like Pastor James just said, whom I have so much respect and love for. It's so many people, you just don't know what it takes. Like, you don't know uh, what happens when you leave everything you know to go to a place where no one you know and then start a church and do all that stuff, and it's amazing. So I have nothing but love and respect um, for James. Um, one update, we now have six, six kids, because, there's, because we believe that TV should not be in the bedroom, and so that's why, no, it's not true. Actually, we have four biological kids and two of our children, um, uh, both were born addicted to heroin. Uh, the, our newest uh, baby uh, is two months old, and she's still kicking, so please pray for her. Um, I'm going to pray for us. For real, listen, God is going to speak to us. And he's going to speak to us in a way that will communicate to our situation. and our. So we're not depending on my speaking ability. We're not depending on anything like that. We're depending on the Holy Ghost speaking to every one of us. But what I'm going to need from you is I am not, and James says really nice things about me, and I'm, I'm grateful for them, but I'm not what you're used to listening to. And so if you could just suspend that for a second and just go, God, would you just, if he messes up or if he offends us, because we're not, right, like we're not even in the same generation, right? Like I'm old and you're young. What are y'all, like 15? And I'm like... (laughs) 87, right? Okay, there's like one or two of us who are not 15. Okay, fine. My point is, my point is, is that I want us to get past whoever is speaking and I want us to get to God's word. Are we all right with that? Okay, now listen to me. Today, we're going to go into the deep end of the pool. We're not going to swim in the kiddie part. I know it's summer, but I only got one shot with you. So today, we're going to talk about how do we deal with the deepest hurts in our lives, how do we respond? How do we respond with the deepest scars, the deepest wounds in our lives? I was with my son, and we had, in fact, matter of fact, before we go into the actual sermon, let's just go ahead and pray. Father, you are very good, and I know we've prayed before, but I, I, just, I just wanted to remind our own hearts how much we need you. Like every minute we need you. Mm. Make our hearts dependent on you. 
And so, Lord, a bunch of us come in here after having sinned last night or sinned last week, and we just need to be reminded of the grace that you provide so abundantly. Prove to our hearts what our minds already know, that you are good and your mercies endure forever. Tell me who can stand before us when we call on his great name. And those of us, Lord, who are here, who are living structured and perfect lives and feel like there's no sin in our lives, would you just humble us to depend on you in every moment and in every circumstance? And that no matter where we are, whether we're flying high or whether we just came off the street, whether we're doing the best our lives have ever done or we're coming up from the gutter, remind us. Remind us of who you are and help us to depend on you for all things. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. My son, we went to the library. After we went to the library, we got some, uh, we didn't go to the library. My wife and I, my wife and him went to the library. They came home and they came home with library books and he opened one up and it had one of those really, really nice bookmarkers. I don't know if you've ever had like a really, any like bibliophiles or like, like you're really into books. Okay, it's like four of you. All right, for real. <laughs> so he opened up in our house, like reading's a big deal. And so uh, he opened a book and it was this really, really nice bookmark, really shiny, glittery, real, real nice. And it was like, wow, this is so nice. And we turned it over and it had the name of a kid that he knew in his um, grade. And I was like, oh, this is wonderful. What a blessing. We get to bring back to this kid, uh, the, the kid that you know, his uh, bookmark. And he was like, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. So I said, I asked the obvious and the necessary parental question. I said, Bobby, why? Why, why, why don't you want to bring it back to him? Now, I was expecting that David was going to answer something like, well, it's a really nice bookmark and I want to keep it for myself, to which we would have had a conversation on um, uh, covetousness. And we would have said, okay, let's talk about what it means to be grateful for what God has given you and not covet what other people have. But he didn't say that. Perhaps I thought he might have said, oh, you know what it is? He's in another classroom. And it's going to be tough to get out of my classroom, go down the hall, up the stairs, and to his classroom, to which we would have had a discussion about perseverance. But it was neither one of those. He said, nah, Ba, I don't want to give him. I said, why, Ba, why don't you want to? He said, because he's hurt me before. Now, I don't know. At that moment, I didn't know the, the depth or the profundity of the statement that he was making. You see, he was making a statement from an eight year, at the time, eight-year-old boy about the wounds that he received at the hands of another. But the fact here, the fact is here, we sit, and he is not the only one who has been harmed by another. There are some of us who are sitting right here, right now, who have been so wounded by others, we don't even know how to begin another relationship. I don't know. 
I don't know where you're at. But how do we forgive those deep? I'm talking about when the scars are deep and the tears don't stop flowing and you feel confused all over. I don't know if you're like me where a guy, invited, an older man invited you into a room and he locked and double locked the door in awful, terrible, horrible soul-scarring things happened that day. I don't know if that's your story. It's mine. So the question is, if we come to his place and we hear songs like the ones that we just heard and we're listening to messages, how do we deal with the hurts, the wounds, the scars that others have bestowed upon us that we can't feel free from that we can't seem to let go of that affect our relationships and how we do friendships and how we trust people how do we get past that how do we get through that how do we so as a rule when i preach i preach with one point and the reason is is because i don't believe most people can walk away with remembering more than one thing. But y'all are the advanced class. <laughs> so I'm going to give you one point, and I'm going to give you five ways on how to apply that one point. All right? So check it out. If, you know, however you do, right? Get a pen, pencil, mascara, but write down what we're going to talk about today. Now, I know you're going to, some of y'all, no, nah, I do it on my phone. I know, I know. It's all about Jesus on your phone. I know, I know. You ain't going to be distracted about nothing. I know. But if you have an opportunity to do it in an undistracted way, here's the big idea. And it's not going to rhyme and it's not going to be cute. It's just the one thing I need you to remember. That as we walk in Christ, as we grow, as the bridge church grows and moves, not only to making more space for more people to come, but making more space in our hearts for Jesus to reign. As we grow in that way as well, we need to discover that we can trust God with the hurts of our lives. That's today's big idea. That God can be trusted with the wounds, the scars, the hurts, God can be trusted with the hurts of my life. Now, I want you to look at a scripture. This is the scripture I should have read earlier, but I'm going to read now. We're reading, we're looking, we're, everything we get, we're going to get from Romans 12, uh, 9 through 21. I'll read it to you. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in, afflicted, uh, in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Do not take revenge, my dear friends. Believe room for God's wrath, for it's written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, the fact is, is that every one of us, if you've already gone through that hurt, then I'm going to speak to your past. If you've not yet gone through it, I'm going to be speaking to your future. And if you're presently going through it, I want to speak to where you at right now. Every one of us. And this is, by the way, let me just say this. If you're here for the first time, which, by the way, is all of us. But if you're here at the bridge for the first time, this is the first time at a church setting and you're like, oh, I don't know, your weird meter is set all funky and stuff like that. And you've already had like a, a white guy from the business world and a black preacher and a Puerto Rican pastor. It's like you've had, you've had as much diversity as you can stand at this point and you're like, yo, for real? And so here's what I'm going to say to you. If you're here and you're new, and you don't know Jesus, and you don't want to know Jesus, and you were forced to come here, or you were coaxed in coming here. I don't know what your story is. Here's what I do know. You're going to be hurt, wounded, scarred in your life. And even if you're kicking the Christian tires, I want to show you how Christians respond to the kind of wounds that universally we all go through. So listen up. This ain't just for the holy folk. This is for all of us. We, need, we are going to learn how to trust God with the hurts of our lives. And we see that in Romans 12, 19. Check it out. In Romans 12, 19, it says this. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I can trust God with the hurts of my life, knowing that God will balance the books, that I don't have to be judge, jury, and executioner, that God himself, even in moments where it just doesn't seem fair. I remember that guy that I told you about who locked and double locked and horrible things happened that day. I remember one day I was walking out of my house and had like a decade and a half, if not two decades, had passed since that moment. And I walked out into the street and it was the most unbelievable moment. I walk out and it's a stop sign, but you know, you don't know if people are going to stop. And so he kept on uh, rolling through. And the guy who was in the passenger seat was the very guy I just told you about. I saw him. He saw me. I recognized him. He recognized me. He stuck his tongue out at me and I froze. And then he sped away. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. God, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem right that he should be out here and that he should be able to get away with that and the harm that he's done and who knows what other harm he's done. God, that doesn't seem right. Vengeance is mine. See, the scriptures teach that everyone's sin is going to be paid up. Everyone's, yours, mine. 
Now the question is, are we going to have someone else pay for our sins, namely Jesus? Or are we going to pay for them ourselves? Choice is yours. But God says, Edwin, I got this. God, help me. Help me because it hurts too much to even think about it. See, God can be trusted with your hurts and your wounds. God can be trusted with your betrayals and your heartaches. God can be trusted with the, with the scars that have gone on so long that you start perpetuating on yourself the harm that others have done to you. God can be trusted. How? How can we learn? See, that's a, that's a tall order, right? From being on that corner and, and just hurting and, and going, this is not right, God, this is not right. How do you go from there to going, okay, God, you can be trusted. How can we move towards trust? How do we do that? How do we do that? Let's do that together. Here's how we do it. Okay, first step. Here's, write this down. First step this text teaches us is that we got to pray for those who have harmed me. We got to pray for those who have harmed me. I remember I was, uh, and you see that in the text? It's right there in Romans 12, 14. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That word bless is oftentimes used in the New Testament as pray. Pray, bless those who've harmed you. I remember I was at, I was at a job, and this was back when we just had one kid, my son, Edwin. Um, and Edwin... Um, and I had gotten this new job, and I was doing the best I could, but I was young. And, and, and then there was this guy. He was the owner's nephew. And this guy not only took credit for the work that I did, but lied about me as well, about things that I didn't do. So I did not like this guy. And like I said, I'm born and raised in uh, Brooklyn. I'm Puerto Rican. It wasn't as nice like this when I grew up here. Thanks for you visitors. We love you guys. <laughs> Pero todavía, it wasn't like this at all. And so, um, so I remember it was on, um, I, I worked at this place. It was called uh, Devin Lithau. Nell, you remember this. It was, um, remember, uh, by the pier um, on Euron Street? Yeah, and it's like real dark back there. And it was like super dark. And you had to go through this like dark, like alley-like way in order to go upstairs. So I had called a friend of mine and I said, yo, I got a plan. I am going to get a bat and break one of his legs. And it was clear that Jesus was doing a work in my life because it was just one of his <laughs> legs. But Jesus was also doing a work in his life. And he said, hey, Ed, rather than doing that and going to jail and not seeing your son for a bunch of years, why don't you do this? Why don't you pray for him? I said, pray. I was like, it's like you didn't listen to what I said. <laughs> This is not a time for prayer. This is a time for action. And he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. Prayer is action. I want you to pray. So I started to pray for him. And I was praying for him faithfully, morning. And I only knew three things about him. Three things about him that I knew. Number one, I knew that he, he had no money. Otherwise, why would he work, be working in the same place I'm working in? So he had no money. I also knew he had, um, uh, he had to sell his car. Because I heard him trying to sell it. And I also knew that he was having troubles with his girlfriend because I could hear him arguing with his girlfriend uh, on the phone. So I started to pray for him faithfully. Ask, and a, mi a miracle happened. That guy did not change one bit. 
He was just as wicked and as evil as you can possibly imagine. I, in fact, I think uh, Satan just like geared him up a little bit more. He was worse than ever. But the miracle wasn't what happened inside of him is what happened inside of me. You see, I started to bless him. I said, God, bless him. Don't, listen, help him in his relationship. Help him sell his car and get the best price. Lord, help him with his finances and help him be, you know. And I just started to pray. And, and here's what I discovered. I discovered that bitterness and prayerfulness are not good roommates. You see, when we start praying for those who have harmed us, we don't give them, listen, I don't give them an opportunity to hurt me twice. You get me? So people have hurt me, but they don't need to hurt me twice. You could, you, could, you, could, you could have harmed me, but you don't have to harm me twice. And so by praying for him, what I discovered is what the word of God has, um, has said is that when we pray for those that there's, there's something that's done in our hearts. That's why the scriptures say, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So we're learning how to trust God with our hurts. And the first step to learning trust God with our hurts is what? To pray for those who've harmed me. Let's say that together. Pray for those who've harmed me. That's the first thing we need to know if we're going to trust God with our hurts. Second thing, let's move quick, is we need to forgive those who've harmed me. First is pray for those who've harmed me, then forgive those who've harmed me. This is now we're going to get a little bit deeper, right? If you thought the first one was deep, this is real, real deep. Okay, so let look at first, look at the text where we get the idea of forgiving those who have harmed us. Because by the way, that might be, um, that might be something that you hear all the time here. That is not natural to the human condition, nor is that, not, nor is that universally recognized as a, uh, um, uh, something beautiful or, or something um, godly to do. Not in every religion. And so where do we get this idea of forgiving those who have harmed us? Well, it says this, Romans 12, 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. We are not repaying evil for evil. We're doing far more than that. We're not even just not getting them back we're doing what's right. In the eyes of God and in the eyes of others, we're moving towards forgiveness. Now, here's the thing. Let me tell you something about when you harm me, okay? I'm going to give you a general principle. And if you get this general principle, you'll understand how we get to this point, right? So the general principle of, of, of harm is like, if you sin against me, you open up a new account. I love you guys. Great to see you again. Um, <laughs> They volunteered at our church. They were super dope. She knows Obama's daughter. It's really cool. You should get to know their story. Um, so check this out. When you harm me, when you do me a harm, you open up an account. It's like a ledger book. Finances, right? Like It's like a ledger book. Right? And so when you open up an account, usually what happens is uh, you open up an account. Let's say I hurt you. You open up an account and you say, Edwin Cologne, and then what's the amount I owe you? You do this with like, when you use your credit card, right? If you call Amex and you say, how much do I owe you? They're not going to say, well, I don't know. What do you think? They're going to say, you owe me $33.42 or whatever it is. Make sense? So when there's a harm that you've done, there's a specific thing that you've taken from me. Like, let me ex give you an example with my dad. My dad broke out when I was real young, broke out and left me with no wisdom left me with no guidance. Everything I had to learn, I had to learn in the worst way. Didn't want, I mean, like just 
horrible, horrible stuff. So when I think about the harm that's been done to me, not to mention when he was with us, he would take blood out of us, beat us till we bled. It was very difficult. My father was an alcoholic. My mother was a paranoid schizophrenic. It was a broken, broken place to grow up in. But like, so what did my father take from me? So I had to think about it. Well, what's the ledger? What did he take from? Well, you, you took from me some, you owed me some wisdom, some wisdom that I could have easily gotten from your lips rather than getting from my hide. You see? And so when you sin against me, when I sin against you, there's a ledger that's opened up. It's a debtor-debtee relationship. In fact, if you don't believe me, we even have language for stuff like this. We say things like this. We'll say things like this. If you harm me, I'll say things like this. I'll pay you back. Why? That's an interesting phrase. I'll pay you back. Why? Because instinctively, intuitively, we know that a ledger has been opened, uh, a, a withdrawal has been made, and now there is recompense. You owe me. Or, or we say something like this. We'll say, um, I'll get even with you. But there really is no getting even, right? But we know. We, in other words, we use the language of finance because it's like, oh, wait, I get it. I get it. There's harm. There was a... Uh, books that were opened up. So God says, here's the deal. You can never, they can never, most, with the scars that we're talking about, we're not talking about somebody like borrowing your sweater and never bringing it back. That's bad enough. Isn't that true, ladies? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're talking about, we're talking about the deep scars that we've experienced. And so when those books are open, what do we do? Because they can't pay us back. Like if my father knocked on my door and said, yo, Edwin, my father would be offended. My father is so far from asking for forgiveness that he would be offended if I told him that I forgave him. I don't know if you got that too. And so imagine my father knocks on my door and says, Edwin, bro, came to Christ. I'm so sorry. How can I make it up to you? You know what my response would be? My response would be, you know what? I've been so busy being mad at you. I haven't thought about how you can make it up. And then my second response would be, you can't. You can't. What are you going to do? You going to give me 12 years old back? What are you going to do? You going to protect me from the people who have harmed me when you should have been there to make sure that those locks weren't there? What are you going to do? You're going to give me back my innocence? You're going to give me back? You're gonna, I, I started to use when I was 11 years old. I was already drinking. By 12, I was already smoking weed. By 13, it got, I can't even tell you because there are kids in the room. It's bad. What can I tell you? Like, what are you going to give me back? Here's a thought. Listen, are you with me so far? All right. Listen, check this out. God comes in and says, hey, I got a thought. Since they can't pay you back, since you'll never be even, since what you need from them, they took from you, whether it was a first marriage, they can't give you that back. Whether it was your innocence back, they can't give you that back. Whether it was your, uh, whatever it was that they took from you, since they can't give you that back, God says, I got an idea. Why don't you close the books? Why don't you forgive 
Forgive those who've harmed you. How do you do that? Let me give you three environments, three, uh, three practices that will help you. Won't lead you. It won't actually get you all the way to forgiveness. Holy Spirit's got to do that. But it'll get, help create an environment for forgiveness. All right? Let me give you three. Here. First one, don't harm them directly. You know what we call that? Revenge. Don't do that. It's, it, it, you, you think it's going to make you feel better? It's not. Take it from me. I know. It's not. Number two, not only do not harm them directly revenge, don't cause them indirect harm. Gossip. You know how easy that is to do in a church environment? Right? Like somebody did you, did you wrong? Oh, yo, why aren't you hanging out with so-and-so? Girl, let me tell you. You know, not, none of y'all do that, right? Okay, that, we call that gossip. You don't want to add fuel to that fire. Thirdly, thirdly, don't imagine harming them. That's fantasy. You know what I am? I am the number one heavyweight champ, no close second, winner of every fight that's in my brain. I win every one. I mean, at the end of the arguments in my head with my wife, she's begging me for forgiveness. It's unbelievable. At the end of every argument in my head, people are like weeping at the wisdom and how I've enlightened them throughout that argument. But it won't help me forgive, does it? It only keeps me sick, doesn't it? See, it's, it's funny when we're talking about it like that, but you know it'll keep you sick. So we're, what we're talking about is trusting God with the hurts of our lives. What are we talking about? Trusting God with the hurts of our lives. Let's say that together. Trusting God with the hurts of our lives. Here's the first way. We pray for those who've harmed us. We forgive those. Second way is we forgive those who've harmed us as well. Third, we're at peace with them. Be at peace with them. You see that? Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That doesn't mean the guy who was the babysitter um, and did some terrible things with the kids, that guy doesn't get babysitting privileges again. Do you understand? But it does mean that I don't have to live in growing bitterness towards them. It does mean I can live at peace, that even while I go to the courthouse and I say, I don't know that this person is safe to be out among other people. I can do it with a heart that's not full of bitterness and brokenness. Do you understand? I'm at peace. So like right now, I have a beef with the guy and I love him a lot. And I'm I'm sure he loves me too. It's just right now, we're both broken. Let's let's say it like that, right? And and I remember I was in a meeting. I go to 12-step meetings and I was in a meeting and I was in my home group and um, I'm sitting there and he walks in. I got this thing. This is a terrible thing. This is horrible. I laugh when I'm nervous. I laugh when I'm nervous. Oh, man, this is so bad. If you're married to me, my wife has given birth four times to my cackles. I'm like, she's like, she's about to, her water's broken. We're in the car and she's screaming and I can't stop laughing at this thing. It's awful, but it's a nervous thing. By the third kid, she figured it out. All right, it's like, you know, oh, it's horrible. And so... So he walks in the door, and I don't know if we're going to physically fight. I don't know what's going to happen. So you know what happens? I start laughing. And it was a gift that the Lord gave us for that moment. I said, yo, 
It's been a while. Come here. Let me give you a hug. You all right? Cool. He stood, sat next to me for around 10 minutes. The meeting's an hour and a half long. Sat next to me for 10 minutes. Then he got up and he left. As far as it is with you, be at peace with all people. I can't fix nobody's heart. I mean, I'm asking Jesus to fix my heart. I can't even do my own. So, and as far as it depends on me, I don't got to, I don't got to, you, you want to curse at me? You're going to have to do that on your own. You're going to, you want to come at me in um, social media? You're going to have to, that's a lonely place for you because I'm not helping out. I'm not doing innuendos, double entendres. Well, you know, some people need to learn and then you write whatever it is. I need to be at peace. Why? Because I'm what? Because we're trusting God with our hurts. Last, oh, second to last, real fast. Give them what they need. Man, I have no time, right? Okay, okay, great. Okay, so give them what they need. That's the fourth. If we're going to trust God with our hurts, we're going to have to give them what they need. Doesn't that sound terrible? Give them what they need. But here's what the scriptures say. Scriptures say, on the contrary, if your, um, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Finally, a scripture I can get behind, right? (laughs) Yes! Heap burning coals on his head. You're saying, kill them with kindness. God, you're such a genius. Oh, dope. That's dope. I know I'll be nice to them. And then they'll feel crushed by it. Oh, that's what I always wanted. Okay, I could do that. That's not what the scripture is saying. That's not at all what the scripture is saying. That's what I want the scripture to say. But that's not what the scripture is saying. Let me tell you what the scripture is saying. What the scripture is saying is that there's such a way that we react to people that they're blind to their own sin because they're too hurt by our sin. Let me explain it to you. Married people, any married people, any, there's like four of you who are married. Okay, so there's a few of you. Okay, let me ask you something. Which one are you more offended by? Your sin against your spouse or your spouse's sin against you? Which one is more offensive to you? This is not a trick question. (laughs) We're easily more offended at their sin against us. In fact, I'm never as offended with, with my wife. Let me tell you how it is with my wife, right? With my wife, it's like, oh, Jesus, she needs you. Oh, you are just a sinner. You, are you, I don't even know if you saved. You might need to get baptized one more time. It might, it might need to be like that. When I sin against my wife, it's complicated. It's like all sorts of extenuating circumstances. You don't understand the way I grew up. You know, I got some stuff that I'm carrying with me. You don't understand what she did three years ago that caused this moment, right? It's like that. Check it out. When I sin against my wife in those moments, what I'm doing is I'm keeping her gaze on me and the harm that I've done her rather than being freed up to see the harm that she's doing. 
When anyone has sinned, that's why this text is so important. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. What you're doing when you're not retaliating, when you're not getting them back, when you're not like, oh, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to make this even. When you're not doing that, what you're doing is you're giving room for the Holy Spirit to convict them of their own sin rather than to be distracted by your sin. Does that make sense? Okay, so then we give them what? They need. Now, it's very possible that the people who have harmed me throughout life, and not only is it possible, I know it's happened, people who have done me great harm, who have received great benefit from some of the things that our church has. You know, our church feeds the hungry, clothes the naked, houses the homeless, counsels the bereaved, sends the detox, the addicted, all in the name and for the fame of Jesus by proclaiming his gospel and doing his will. That's our church. And so, If the guy that I just told you about ever needed a a meal, we've created a place where he can come and get that and and feel loved and feel served and honored. Listen to me. Give them what they need. We're not in, well, some of y'all in high school, but... um, (laughs) It's it's like that, that, um, that's not the way we roll. It's not like, oh, you don't like me. I, well, why don't you like her? Because she don't like me. Oh, please. Like, oh, you know, why are you going to do harm to her? Because she did harm to me or he did harm to me. Please, come on. Let's, listen, we're talking about deepening in Christ and taking our hurts to Jesus, not taking our hurts in our own hands. Give them what they need. And then fifthly, give them what they need humbly. Romans 12, 16 says this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So what that means for us is that when I'm giving, you know, it's possible. And again, speaking to the married people, uh, it's possible to do and serve your spouse in a totally arrogant and terrible way. It's to, like, you know, it's possible for, oh, you want to go shopping, you know, to, for me to tell my wife, oh, you want to go shopping? Sure. You know, we've been here for seven minutes. When are we done? Like, you know, it's possible to do it in such a terrible attitude. It's possible to like, you know, like, it's, it's possible to do that making love, giving uh, your husband, you go, oh, I'm not in the mood, but you know, man, I just want to honor him and love him well. And then do it in such a way where it's like, oh. Okay, thank you, but (laughs) as the nervous laughter (laughs) continues, give them what they need humbly. Now, if you're here and you're caught in Satan's grip, you're going to use this message to further abuse the people who uh, are with you. And you're going to bring this up. And to you, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. If you're in a relationship right now and someone is doing you harm, I need you to get a second opinion, meaning other than your own. Your pastors, your leaders, I need you to start confessing. And all that nonsense about keeping dirty laundry at home, yeah, yeah, no, it's time to take this one to the dry cleaners because we're going to need some help up in here. And you're going to need to go out. So there are people right now in here who hear this message and are saying to themselves, now, honey, you see, you have to forgive. Take your hurts to Jesus. 
Jesus and to you, you are a demon who are who is performing the acts of Satan. I don't want you to continue that. You need to repent and run to Jesus and ask him for forgiveness for your soul, for the harm that you're causing. And if you're in that harmed relationship, please don't sit there. Don't stay there. Don't hear my words as Don't hear me as an advocate to your suffering. I want you to be free. So don't don't believe those lies. But if this message is landing the way I want it to and the way God wants it to, then those of you with hurts are going to need to learn what to do. What do you do in the rest of these weeks? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick one, maybe two, and just maybe this summer, maybe this summer, this is your deal. You're just working through this. And you're just going to start. Here's one. Pray. Pray for those. Maybe it's mom. Maybe it's dad. Maybe it's brother. Maybe it's sister. Maybe it's uncle. Maybe it's auntie. Maybe it's friend of the family. Maybe you got to see the one who scarred you so deeply every year. I don't know how it works in your, your family. Here's what I do know. What I do know is that we have to start somewhere. And we're going to say, okay, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to choose one of these. Now, before we go, I want you to see something. God is not asking you to do anything that he hasn't done for you. You see, the fact is, is if I ask you, you, you look at another sinner for the one who has harmed you. Let me tell you something. The one who walks around in heaven with scars on his hand was harmed by the person sitting in your seat. He died for your sin. It was you who left the permanent scars on his body. And how does he respond to you and me, us sinners? He prays. Do you remember? Remember on the cross? Father, forgive them. They're clueless. What else does he do? He, he's right there, and there's a, a, a thief on the cross right next to him. And he goes, hey, would you remember me? And he goes, I'll do one better. We're going to be roomies. And if you think that being at peace with them, Jesus literally doesn't fight. His very persecutors, he has the power to call 10,000 angels. And he doesn't, insofar as giving them what they need. Do you remember when they attacked him? Peter cut off the ear of one guy, and Jesus, like, not only repaired it, but probably gave him an upgrade. (laughs) Do you remember this? In other words, what I'm telling you is to do for someone else what Jesus has had to do for you. And that as we look to Jesus and see how he has healed, how he has prayed, has he's forgiven, how he's lived at peace, how, he, how he's given us what we need and done it humbly. That as we sit on that and as we reflect on that and as we live in that, recognizing that no one has molested me farther than what I've done to Christ That no one has harmed me more than I've harmed Christ. No one has cursed me more than I've cursed Christ. No one has. And that when I sit and I receive what he's given to me, then I let that overflow in prayer, forgiveness, peace, and needs. 
with humility. My prayer is that's your story. Let me pray for you before we take communion together. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be able to speak about this. Lord, you know the wounds that are in our hearts right now. You know how deep they're cut. And so, Lord, would you speak deeply to our lives? Draw us to yourself. Help us and give us wisdom to extend the forgiveness that we so desperately need from you to others. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, um, do I have to do uh, communion on, with the mic or can I do it without? The, okay, cool. All right. Let me know if you can't hear me, okay? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, think about what we just talked about. Think about it. Jesus knows that the ones that he's loved so much that they're going to turn their backs on him. He goes to those guys. And on the night that he's betrayed, he says this. He goes like this, listen. I have a body and a blood that's going to be broken and shed for you. I don't want you to forget what forgiveness towards you cost. That it was a costly forgiveness. Oh, it costs you to forgive others? Good. You should know. Forgiveness is costly. And that he took on the shame. That we broke the law and he takes on the shame. That you and I rebelled and Jesus paid the penalty. And so he gathers his people together in a familiar meal. And he takes a piece of bread could you picture it? Picture it in your mind. He's breaking the bread, saying, this is... He's breaking it. Saying, while he's breaking it, this is my body. Broken for the person sitting in your seat. Take it personal. So you have in front of you a sort of a, a way that we can remember that. That the forgiveness that you and I needed is far more than the forgiveness that whoever harmed you needed. From you. And so he allows his body to be broken. And he says, don't forget. Don't forget. This is my body, broken for you. Take remembering the sacrifice. Take me. Father, we thank you for the bread. The bread that reminds us of the body that was broken for our sake that we don't deserve. Help us not to forget that. And at the same meal, towards the end of the meal, they were done eating, and he takes a drink, and it looks an awful lot like blood. And he goes, 
So blood is going to have to be shed. And I'd rather die than let it be your blood. And then he does. None of us deserve it. You haven't earned it or merited it. If you're waiting to be good enough, you'll be waiting forever. And so he says, I'll do it. I'll give my blood so that you could be whole. And so he takes a cup. And in that meal, it was one cup reminding us that it's just one Savior, one faith, one God that we pray to in the power of one spirit. He takes it. He says, don't forget me. Take that you shed. We, we're far too busy minimizing our sin than to really accept the, the depth of it. And so Lord, would you remind us of the incredible sacrifice that it took so that we might be healed. And Lord, would you help us to receive that you offer at a great price. That just like it'll cost us a lot to forgive those who have harmed us. Thank you for reminding us, reminding us of what it costs you to forgive us. May we think on that, ponder that, pray about that till the hairs on our arms stand up. Till it overflows on those who have harmed us. But we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.